0: Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2019. My name is Amato, Gentleman Burglar, and with
1: me are. Tori. And Junior Officer Zenigata, Don.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Does Arsene Lupin. Lupin? Is that who said it? Does Arsene Lupin have a (laughs) Zenigata figure, though?
1: Yeah, uh, detective something French. (laughs) Mm.
0: I always really liked Zenigata. I feel bad for him. Like I don't know, he works hard.
2: I know, right? Except that isn't he also a cop? So (laughs) you know.
0: (laughs) Well, it's you know you root for the underdog, and in the context of Lupin the Third, the cops are definitely the underdogs.
1: Zenigata isn't Mm. a good cop. He doesn't do copying duties. He does track down Lupin. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If that's it happens true. to go along with cop work, then they, they do that also. That's
0: <laughs> a really good point. He serves an inter- Interpol alongside Chun-Li, right? <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. I've kind of learned to read cops and media, you know, as like not really cops, because if anybody makes a piece of media that involves cops, they're going to kind of make them heroes. So it's like, all right.
1: Uh, Ganymard.
2: Ganymard. That sounds uh, yes, right. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: But he does not appear in our story today.
2: No. You're right.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, Actually, not that many characters appear in this story. It's a short story. Mm -hmm. Yes. So what are we talking about today?
0: Well, what are we talking about? I don't know. (laughs) We are reading a very old piece of fan fiction. It is from The Extraordinary Adventures. Well, that's not quite true. It is a Arsene Lupin story by Maurice LeBlanc. And originally, those stories were serialized. Mm -hmm. Now, the first collection of those stories like you know compilation is called The Extraordinary Adventures of Arsene Lupin Gentleman Burglar I'm not really trying the French Arsene Lupin
1: I think I'm think i American <laughs> I think it's fair if we just anglicize but we have to
2: yeah Lupin <laughs> yeah I wasn't gonna try with the French anyway I don't know <laughs> what y'all take me for anyway the last story in that collection which you can find on
0: Project Gutenberg and there's a link there at bit.ly slash rfr well actually it's rfr holmes h-o-l-m-e-s you know Sherlock Holmes Because the story we're reading is Sherlock Holmes Arrives Too Late, the last Arsene Lupin story that is archived in this collection.
1: Yeah, I got tricked. I thought we were reading a Persona 5 fan fiction. got excited for (laughs) a (laughs) second.
0: Oh, yeah, the main character is, uh, I want to say Stand.
1: (laughs) Um, That's where I went to, Stand, yeah. The
0: main character is Shadow. uh, (laughs) Persona? Persona. Yeah, (laughs) the name (laughs) of the series. (laughs) Main character's persona in that game is Lupin?
1: Yeah, okay. or scene or scene Yeah, it's that character. Yeah,
0: mm. right. Does everyone have fictional character
1: stands? They all have fictional thieves as their as their stands. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, okay. Like so different we... brigands or pirates or stuff like that.
0: Like who else besides Lupin? I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I I bought the game. I got so excited when it came out. Uh-huh. I played a little bit. Then remembered I'm not in high school anymore. I, I don't sit down and play RPG, JRPGs for. Twenty-four
2: hours at a time. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna say
0: I'm not in high school anymore. I don't care about these high schoolers and their drama.
1: Oh no, I, I do care. I care <laughs> so much.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say, do you ever stop caring about high schoolers and their drama? Like I mean, you just see my the main focus of adult life from you know a media apparently.
1: Well you just see the uh, history of my manga app of what I'm reading. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hmm. Now The only Persona game I've played is Persona 4. Mm -hmm. And more so than the high school, I just got so excited about the small-town Japanese life. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, having lived in a very small Japanese town, I could relate so much to, like, the little girl's excitement about going to the mall. Yeah. Like, you know, the large (laughs) grocery store. Um, Juness, yeah. Juness, right. Everything's great at your Juness. Exactly. (laughs) The, The little jingle for our local grocery store that you had to, like, take a ferry to get to was... Oishii Tokimeki Yu-Azu. Like, Delicious Life. <laughs> yours. Yours is the name of the, the place.
1: Oh,
2: yours. Yeah. Sounds kind of like a like child vampire thing. Maybe a song or something. Delicious yeah. Life. Eat Life here.
1: <laughs> By the yeah. way, Amada, they did announce their um, Persona 5.5 release. For the Nintendo Switch? Mm. Not Persona. PS4. I don't
0: I don't care. I don't want to hear it.
1: <laughs> don't tell me about it. Persona games exist outside of handhelds. <laughs>
0: Look, my game systems don't exist outside of handhelds, and the Switch is only half a handheld, even though I'm only ever going to use it as a handheld. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, did you want to actually tell me something about that 5.5 thing? No. Okay.
1: I just wanted to tell you it wasn't a handheld. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just taunting me. Yes. Um, the point is, Arsene Lupin... Now, I know nothing about him, really. I I feel like I read this book a long time ago, and I felt very neutral to it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like Lupin's kind of just, like, the gentleman thief, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't know what else to say about him as a character. It's kind of hard to, like like or dislike him a lot of the time?
0: I think the thing about him is that he's the gentleman thief. Mm-hmm. Like, the story that we're reading is from 1906. I think he kind of oh, made, sure. made the mold, right?
2: Oh, of course, yes. I, I wasn't saying that. I mean, I don't know any other... Gen- well, some honesty. of my best
0: friends are gentleman thieves. Oh,
2: okay. Well, I haven't met them. So I'm a th- an authority. <laughs> <laughs> like, the second
1: story in this collection is one where he sends a uh, notice to the person he's robbing, telling them when it's going to happen. Yeah, that's,
0: like, so done now.
1: The invention of that that whole trope, yeah.
0: Yeah. He kind of does that in... No, he doesn't exactly do that in the story that we read.
1: No, there's a couple times where he says face-to-face, I'm going to rob you. (laughs)
2: Yes. (laughs) This story starts really kind of close to the action. It's really funny the way it starts.
1: Well, I'm kind of surprised I haven't read any of these before, because, like, I kind of forget that I secretly love mysteries. Mm. (laughs) So, like, I have read a lot a considerable amount of Sherlock Holmes and I was into like, even detective Conan (laughs) for a while and other such stories. So I'm kind of surprised I hadn't gotten to this at some point, which is why I got excited. And instead of reading just the assigned uh, story, I read the the whole volume of of the first book.
2: Good. You'll have some
0: Um, context because like one of the characters in here, I was like, Oh wait, I'm supposed to like have read all these stories. That's from the first story. Oh, okay. Yeah. How convenient. Um, now, that's a good segue talking about Sherlock Holmes, though, because I forgot, we are not reading this because it's an R.C. Lupin story. No. We are reading it because it is a sh- piece of Sherlock Holmes fan fiction by my definition. Sherlock Holmes yes. appears in it. And for Sherlock Holmes, I also enjoy Sherlock Holmes. I feel like I was... I, I can't remember reading much of it until studying abroad in Japan, at which point I was really hurting for things to read in English, hmm. and this... The first this collection of the first half of all the Sherlock Holmes stories was like the cheapest book per page count at the local you know English language bookstore, and so I just bought it and I read
1: like half of all Sherlock Holmes stories. (laughs) Sherlock Holmes stories are pretty pulpy but pretty fun, I think. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, and this isn't the first mention of Sherlock Holmes in the canon. In the second story about Lupin in prison, they talk about um, I have always said Mard is our best detective. He is almost you see how candid I am. He is almost as clever as Sherlock Holmes.
0: Is he actually? I mean, he's good, but Lupin's
1: just better. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. That, that's interesting that mention of Sherlock Holmes existing in the same fictional universe goes back that far to the very second story yeah. of Arsene Lupin.
2: Now, um, were these... Um, was Maurice LeBlanc writing around the same time that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was? Yeah,
0: they
1: were contemporary.
2: I'm um, pretty sure, right? So, So... I have my uh, Arthur
0: story. Conan Doyle got to get personally upset at this story and tell him to stop.
2: Ah, uh, yes, yes. And they're lawyers, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quite funny. Um, and I'll get to this later, but I think the portrayal of Holmes is especially funny in this story. <laughs> I think it's, uh,
0: not a, it's not an accurate portrayal at no, all. It's no,
2: it's not a very positive portrayal. And I can see why Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was kind of upset <laughs> about it. But it's also interesting to think of the fact that like they were probably like Maurice LeBlanc at least was inspired by the Sherlock Holmes stories to like want to include this character so much mm-hmm. in his own work and I love that because when Don was talking earlier about being interested in detective fiction I was like how's detective fiction related to thief fiction I'm like oh well because they're all like incredibly there's an incredible mystery and the talent and what they do in executing these kind of finite steps. They kind of are the same genre in certain ways. There's
1: a couple of this other stories in this book where Lupin isn't the first thief on the scene, and Lupin is pretty much a, as good a detective as anybody else figuring out what happened and how they did it. Yeah. Mm. It's just what they did afterwards was the thief part. Instead of turning them <laughs> to the police, they uh, impersonated Ganymard, approached the victim, told them they're going to arrest them if they didn't hand over the, diamond, the, the black pearl and then take the pearl for themselves. <laughs>
2: So yeah, Lupin is it's definitely kind of a detective more than a thief, I think, a lot of the time. Yeah, uh, a,
1: he's a body socialite. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> so,
0: sure, we can jump into the story. It's, again, called Sherlock Holmes Arrives Too Late. And despite the title, I was kind of expecting <laughs> Sherlock Holmes to show up earlier in the story. I don't know what I was thinking.
2: But even so, I don't think Sherlock Holmes was too late. No, you know, I don't, he, don't he think wasn't. he was. <laughs> that, that's
1: a thing.
0: <laughs> but and that's a really weird part about the story.
2: Yeah, I actually really like it, but let's let's go through the story and I can tell you what I think about that. Okay. Cuz I think give some context.
0: So it starts off and there is this guy, he's like a, you know, rich socialite named Devon, and he has like a bunch of people over to his like classy old, you know, castle like man, manor, you know, house for like a party. And one of those people is this artist acquaintance of his named Velmont, um, who he's met several times. He has like It's also like a friend of a friend.
1: The weird person in there that people mentioned might be Lupin, but couldn't possibly be Lupin, is always in these stories Lupin.
0: Yeah, so this guy
1: Belmont is Lupin. Including when it's in first person. <laughs> that's, even when it's in first person. The first story, and like uh, another one story, starts in first person, then it's revealed later that this first person perspective
2: is Lupin themselves. Mm. Oh, that's kind of creative. See, in, th- in this one, it's really funny, because the first line, first line, is it... it is it is really remarkable, Valmont. what a close resemblance you bear to <laughs> Arsene Lupin. And it's just like, yeah, of course that character is Lupin. R- but right. then you almost sort of expect it not to be, because, like, why <laughs> would it just, that be the first line of the story? But then that's a recurring theme of these stories, is so that course. people think they
1: look like Lupin, then they laugh it off, but still pull off the job anyway. So it's like it's just, a
0: running joke it, at this point with,
1: like, yeah. kind of
2: like a Clark Kent-style thing. he Kent can just get thing. away with anything, apparently, I mean, even though people recognize him, <laughs> they still don't think it's...
1: Him? In, in this world people know about Lupin's explo- exploits because Lupin themselves like owns a newspaper really and they write to it and they publish stuff that's like Arsene Lupin has recently returned the black pearl to his proper owner and stuff like that uh. including some, some times where like his picture has been published but he takes that as a challenge because Lupin is also of course a master of disguise of course yeah
0: and he must have been like nurturing this you know identity for a long time because he has some kind of background. Which makes Devon here be like, oh, he couldn't possibly be. And, you know, when people say, when he's told, you look a lot like Arsene Lupin, Lupin slash Velmont is just like, yeah, I get that a lot. And yeah. just kind of laughs it off.
2: Because, <laughs> like,
1: you would," long. you know, yeah, I get that all the time,
2: you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> And he must expect it at this point, if it's a recurring thing, that he's just going to be recognized. And that's just, he laughs it off. And somehow that sort of works. Mm. Well,
1: in his story, he also has a solid, solid uh, references and backstory. Right. Right, he's a, right. He's a known artist that people know about and has painted stuff. And he's went to like a country club with this guy's cousin, who knew him personally. So every, the, he, he had uh, credentials... At the wazoo. Yeah.
0: Right. I remember in some of, like, the recent heist-type role-playing games, I feel like one of the roles is, like, someone who has just a whole lot of identities for that kind of, you know, more than disguises, just, like, es- identities they've been building up. Yeah. That kind of... I forget the names of those. There's, there's been, like, a couple of those kinds of games recently, but...
1: Like, the face character sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, anyway, the other thing about Devon, about him not being very smart, I guess, or, like, at least not savvy is that he's also really eager to tell his guests about this cool mystery that's going on. <laughs> he's like, oh, tomorrow Sherlock Holmes is going to arrive to look into this like extremely mysterious thing that I want to tell you all about right now.
1: Well, we have to remember this is back in early 1900s, uh-huh. and so they didn't have Pokemon for entertainment back then, so they had to find some ways to entertain themselves.
2: Uh, this is a very typical like murder mystery dinner party setup. Uh-huh. You yeah. know what I mean? Like He has a party, and he just wants to share his mystery so much. So he does. So. I mean,
0: I think... Um etiquette was you didn't invite people over for a dinner party until you had a mystery that warranted mm-hmm. inviting Sherlock Holmes over.
2: Yeah, and they <laughs> yeah, of course. They, they also
1: um like invited all the prerequisite characters. They had like the vicar and like the the young socialite
2: and the mysterious artist and they had a good cast.
0: <laughs> yeah, they don't get a whole lot to do, but it's a, <laughs> it's a good
2: cast. Yeah. Yeah, Mrs. Peacock was there. <laughs>
0: The twist ending is he's just actually hosting how to host a murder dinner party type thing. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone's just been assigned roles.
2: Amato, you spoiled it. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: here's the general deal. Mm -hmm. He's got this, like, study with a lot of valuable books and art. And he knows that there's a secret passage into it from historical references. But there's no... Like, no one knows how to find that secret passage in the place that he doesn't want to tear up the walls because it's like a you know, he's in here, he's he owns this really old, like, kind of manor thing. That's a yeah,
1: he bought a like a a medieval castle that's been maintained throughout the years, so it's it's like a
0: historic, you know, piece of architecture, like, different
1: kings have visited at different points, yeah.
0: So he knows there's a secret passage, and there's references to it in, like, two different books, one that was in the study and one that was in the National Library in Paris, and they have different information in them.
1: Because they have different handwritten notes in the margins. Yeah.
0: We don't need to go into, like, blow-by-blow of all that information.
1: Yeah. But the basic deal
0: is that Arsene... Wait, did Arsene Lupin actually announce he was going to steal this stuff?
1: Uh, he kind of did it in a playful tone. It was like, you're Lupin. Oh, I, you're right. I'm Lupin. I'm going to steal your stuff. <laughs> no. Yeah,
0: I meant, like, officially. <laughs> this guy... No, No, R.C. Lupin is in the neighborhood he knows.
1: Through the papers. That is known, right,
0: (laughs) through the papers. And so he's invited Sherlock Holmes over to investigate and figure out what the secret passage is all about. And, like, you know, prevent R.C. Lupin from stealing all the stuff.
1: He also announced that he has sent for Sherlock Holmes in order to protect his stuff. To his whole dinner party. To his whole dinner party that Holmes should be here any moment. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Jumping ahead, when Sherlock, uh, we shouldn't jump ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, and it won't take long to get there. It's not that long a story. No, yeah. And so, beyond all that, he's like, "Oh, and here's all the information that was in this book in my study that only mm-hmm. is in my study until it was stolen well, or whatever." Two
1: anecdotes that were only passed down word of mouth.
0: Yeah, he's like, "Here's all the information about the secret passage." <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, anecdotes that were only word of mouth, right? Yeah. And but I've never been able to figure it out in ten years, so clearly nobody else can. Mm. And. Sherlock, not Sherlock Holmes, Arsene Lupin being <laughs> hidden among the guests, he now has all the information he needs. So good job. Good job, well, man.
2: It's interesting, though, because there's, there's supposed to be two pieces they need to unite mm-hmm. to find the secret passage, and that's the word of mouth information. But apparently the one of them was in a book in a library or something. No, these are the two different books we talked about before. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean. Anyway, there was a book that disappeared a month ago. Right That's the other reason he thinks that Lupin's after his right. stuff,
0: and he's right because Lupin has stolen a book that has important information about that secret
2: passage, stolen, but like both a month books. ago, yeah,
1: yeah, they stolen both books within like a really close time period of each other,
2: right, yeah, so that's right, yes,
0: yeah, long story short, that night. Lupin comes in and steals all the stuff. Yeah, through the secret passage because mm-hmm. he like he was just kind of handed the remaining pieces he needed, and he figured it right. out. And he
2: comes in to put the two things together. There's
1: a brief description of uh, Lupin op- opening the secret passage, getting uh, Lupin's hired muscle in just to and pointing out which furniture to take and which to leave. <laughs>
0: That's my favorite part about his <laughs> yeah. operation is that he brings in movers and he's just like, okay, yeah, I like carry that box up, box up those things.
1: Mm-hmm. The uh, the uh, unknown movers have appeared in different stories too. That's so great because like. Apparently, to be a thief back then, you had to steal furniture, <laughs> which is huge. I, I know. Like, why? I, I, and you can, if you can do that without, like, like I'm not sure I can do that without breaking something, <laughs> let alone without breaking something, without waking somebody up, without, while taking it through a secret tunnel yeah. all the way through the city.
2: These I guys are the real professionals. Real pros, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just love it. and like, And then it goes on to just describe, like, if they took it, they took it here. Like, it just, it's great. It's a living. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's,
0: it's pretty funny. But then, while he's there, he leaves the little study that he snuck into and goes to like a case of valuable, you know, I don't know, jewelry on display or something in the hall. Yeah, and he just like he he shoves it all into a specially prepared bag.
1: Yeah, he tells everybody else, "Go ahead and go home. I'll follow later.
2: I, I need to wrap up."
0: Right, but then little Cindy Lou Who wanders in. <laughs> him.
2: pretty much, and it's hilarious because he's just stuffing this linen bag and the pockets of his trousers with, like, jeweler- jewelry and shit. <laughs> he's yeah. Like, he's, like, <laughs> dripping out this, this <laughs> stolen goods when his, like, girlfriend sees him. Let me
1: crib this from Wikipedia. Um, a woman's jewels are stolen, and this character courts Miss Nelly. Lupin, Lupin expert In- inspector Ganimard is at the ship's destination waiting... And to sexually arrest Lupin, uh, who is his character, the jewels hidden in their camera are knowingly, knowingly dropped into the water, and the next couple stories after that brought Lupin in prison.
0: Right. So he flirted with her, and she helped him escape.
1: And he but- mentioned at the end of the first story that he was really enamored with her and was like surprised that she covered for him, mm-hmm. and that won
2: a place in his heart. Well, that's interesting, though, because in this story she doesn't seem to know that he's a thief you know he,
0: he yeah he treats it like oh my god she walked on me stealing stuff and it's like well she yeah. knew you were rc i Lupin? Gentleman no, thief, yeah gentleman thief so like why are you so i yeah.
2: thought because they mentioned later in this story as well that she didn't know because it said something like he said something in his mind like he she knew me only as bernard like this this common guy like it seemed like she did not know
1: once Nelly kind of figured it out he tried to say oh I'm I'm not that bad of a thief I'm a good guy really you can mm. like me I'm not, I'm not mm. that I'm not that I sinful see.
0: but now as it happens she just by sheer it's <laughs> a guest of this guy and she he walks, s- walks in on him stuffing his pockets with all his jewelry with
2: all the stolen <laughs> stuff because yeah, like, he expected <laughs> the guest house to be empty which it usually is yeah. but and so he so Lupin's like this looks bad <laughs> <laughs> backing away with pearls <laughs> falling out of his pocket and he yeah. like he just puts them all back basically just like puts down the
0: jewelry and is like, I'll return all the stuff from the study by, like, three o'clock tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like, you, yeah. you, you can
2: believe me. <laughs> and, like, like, so chagrin, like.
1: And he really wants Nellie to like him. Perhaps.
2: Right.
1: Yeah. I, I understand. It's he's like, kind of. I'm just
2: going to put it all back. He's That's kind of so panicking. Sorry. Yeah, no, he totally panics.
0: And so he hasn't really had the conversation with her, like, mm-hmm. about, like, so how do you feel about robbing?
1: You know? They, they talked about it on the boat oh, before. Yeah? That She's not a fan? No.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> they did talk about that. Yeah. Okay.
1: I didn't really remember because I didn't know they'd be on the test later, but. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. So,
0: anyway. So, he's like, Tomorrow by three o'clock, I'll return everything. Nothing will induce me to break that promise. He's going to be like, I'm a good guy. And so the next day, you know, he goes out through the secret passage. And the next day, this guy, Devon, Monsieur Devon, finds out that all stuff was stolen. And he's like, Velmont must be Arsene Lupin, right? And then (laughs) Velmont just comes out for breakfast and he's like, What's up? Yeah. uh, and Devon, I feel like mostly Devon feels like it would be too embarrassing to accuse him of being Arsene Lupin. Right. Like that's really it.
1: Because at this point it's like um meta knowledge. Right. <laughs> he knows the flow of the story and know that it should be this guy, but he doesn't have any actual proof to tell None the police. At all. Mm. Yeah. So at this point in the story, he'd go like, the killer's in there, please help me. They'd be like, nah, no, nah, you're just crazy. Go back in there have something calm down.
2: <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, realistically too, he is been so worried about a potential robbery that hasn't happened to him yet. I don't know if... Well, the, they also mentioned
1: him being so incredibly rich that just doesn't really hurt his bottom line at all. Yeah, uh,
2: yes. you're right.
0: He's also kind of happy that he has a talking point for his party, right?
1: It's he, a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It
0: says, like, he was kind of upset, but also he was so rich he could bear the loss philosophically. Yeah. I think philosophically was the word they used. So that's kind of cute. I mean makes you feel good about your protagonist if you're stealing from the ultra-rich, right? It's like, yeah, yeah just take his shit. Go for it.
1: Yeah, the, the targets are usually ultra-rich and very weird or stingy or um, terrible people. Mm. Except for the one that was dead when you found it, but that, that was a different story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so at 3 o'clock, the army brings back all of the stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Lupin had, like, forged orders... For, like, a nearby, like, group of army peeps. Which is terrifying,
1: if you think about it. Forged military orders that they followed without question. I yeah. mean, it wasn't...
0: Yeah. It, it is terrifying. It also did not involve, like, arresting or killing anybody. It was just, like, uh, deliver these packages to this place. But it could
2: have. <laughs> I know, but then... um well, Sherlock Holmes sees the note, correct? Uh, later on, yeah, and he's like, "It's a forgery, a clever one, but yeah. a forgery." No, but they, yeah. they pass it to the um, like the, oh, who, the actual oh, general okay, charge. Oh, okay, that's right. The general yeah. charge discovers it's a forgery. So, yeah, it, you know, somebody could tell it was a forgery. It's just, but not in time you know, though. Damn <laughs> um
0: So all the stuff is returned by that means, and uh, that's that's nice, whatever. Um, and he like he gets to go up as you know in his. What do you call it when you're keeping up a guy's um,
1: disguise in his face?
0: disguise? Yeah, in his role or whatever. And he's like, "Have I not kept my promise?" But she kind of doesn't doesn't warm to him as much <laughs> until he's like, "Can't you remember back on the ship when we were flirting? And can't you look at me like you looked at me back then?" And she does
1: thinking back. I kind of liked it that it wasn't she wasn't merely, "Oh, you're right, swoon." It was just like you're still a
2: weird, freaky criminal <laughs> yeah. yeah no she wasn't <laughs> but yeah She's the, pretty put off even though you're right I did look back and it, it is clear in the story that she helped him escape before so she knew this and yet it's very off-putting to her to see him actually do it
0: yeah at the end of this conversation she points the stolen ring he's wearing and he's like you're right I'm Arsene Lupin and nothing can be changed
1: <laughs> yeah and, he said like I've, I've cleaned up I returned everything I swear I'm good then she points to the ring. rings like okay okay <laughs> Oops. He's like, I'll show myself out <laughs>
0: sorry <laughs> yeah. The weird thing about this is that she does not say a word in this whole story. Right. It's yeah. very strange. Wait, what? Strange. She doesn't have any lines. Are you kidding me? No.
2: I didn't really notice. Uh, you, I noticed. No, she must. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: You hear her thoughts once or twice. You hear yeah. her
2: thoughts. They're, they're quite well described. She doesn't say? Nope. No, she does. She says she warns him initially when she hears footsteps. Oh, she has a few words. You're right. I mean, not that that's, you know, of huge significance. It's she tells very him, early she on. She tells him to escape. Yeah, And that
0: is actually like three distinct lines of the same purpose. But in this conversation later on when he's like talking about stuff,
2: she she's kind of silent. I guess Still. she's just stubbing him. Yes, she is silent. That's very deliberate later on.
1: But I'm still not sure it's enough to get a SAG card.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And so Lupin heads to the train station. You know, he's still in his Mm guise. And along the way, he meets Sherlock Holmes, who has arrived, and who asks for directions to the castle. And he gives him directions.
1: I I love this part where they cross. It's pretty cool.
0: Now, this is Sherlock Holmes in this story. Mm Mm-hmm. 50 years of age, tall, smooth-shaven, wearing clothes of a foreign cut, which is to say not French, Mm -hmm. carrying a heavy cane and a small satchel strapped around his shoulder, speaks fluent French with an English accent. Right. Uh So this is like later Sherlock Holmes in his career. I forget how old the character lives Because I think
1: Sherlock Holmes started in like... 1880s or so it continued past this point but was a well-established character before lupin started
0: yeah i'm just trying to think of the sherlock holmes timeline and like how old he is in most of his cases and such i don't know i think all of his famous cases happen before he's 50 and well yeah because doesn't he die (laughs) yeah he dies but he comes back because he's too popular x-men style
1: yeah it's a marvel character right (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm. um and he gives him directions Gives Sherlock Holmes directions and says they are expecting you. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Uh, This is a great part. You want to read it? Uh, you go for it. Yes, my friend Devon told us last night that you were coming, and I am delighted to be the first to welcome you. Sherlock Holmes has no more ardent admirer than myself. There was a touch of irony in his voice that he quickly regretted, for Sherlock Holmes scrutinized him from head to foot with such a keen, <laughs> penetrating eye that Arsene Lupin experienced the sensation of being seized, imprisoned, and registered by that look more thoroughly and precisely than he had ever been by a camera.
1: See, it's stuff like this that make me think that um, uh, Matt LeBlanc, <laughs> uh, the, the, the author. Maurice LeBlanc. Maurice LeBlanc. <laughs> really actually admired Sherlock Holmes, because like, it was like a passing offhand comment would immediately put you under this sort of intense scrutinization that yes. you could feel. <laughs>
0: like, I, I know. Like, Sherlock Holmes doesn't need much of an excuse to look at you and, like, determine your life story. Yeah. But, like, if you say something a little bit out of place like that, yeah. no more Arden admirer than myself well, is, like...
1: There's also four periods. No more Arden Meyer than myself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and, and I like... Uh, Lupin's thoughts coming out of this are like, "Well, I can never, <laughs> I can never use a disguise again around Sherlock Holmes because, yeah. like, he will recognize me immediately after that."
1: And then there's a part later that I like. Yeah, they bow to each other. They go well. Um, then, for a moment, he and Arsene Lupin gazed at each other, and if a person could have seen them at that moment, it will, would have been at an interesting sight and memorable as the first meeting of two remarkable men, so strange, so powerfully equipped both of superior quality and destined by fate, through their peculiar attributes to hurl themselves one at the other like two equal forces that nature opposes, one
2: against the other in the realms of space.
0: Yeah, that's some real dramatic rival description. Yeah, Yeah, it's very
2: dramatic. And, of course, the author terms them like two equal men as well, which I feel like may have been an interesting provocation to, like, Conan Doyle in this instance, (laughs) like, because he obviously did go on. But if you have them in the same universe, they have to be equal, otherwise it would just be over. Of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, one, you know, it's important to point out now that the description of Holmes is pretty on the nose because he hasn't done much. He's sized up the man, and you expected him to do so. But as he goes on, he's given a lot less character than mm-hmm. Lupin is. He baws a lot. Yes. Yeah, He's
0: very crotchety. He's not... He's very... It, like, that's why I have to seize on to this being an older Sherlock Holmes, because he doesn't talk like Sherlock Holmes does in Sherlock Holmes stories at all. No. He,
1: he responds he's, to every other thing with, bah!
2: Right. <laughs> it's
0: like Sherlock Holmes slash Ebenezer Scrooge.
2: Right. And as we, so we go on, we'll see. He gets... He's just very rude to uh, everyone, humbled, which, my dear Watson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just quite... I quite... Like, I feel like, um... Holmes is kind of a rude guy when he's on his mission, you know? But like in this, he is like, he's just rude nonstop. They like. mentioned
1: later in the story where they, Holmes said that they recognized Lupin on site pretty much. Yes. Which mm-hmm. is fair. But when asked why they didn't arrest them, even when in this scene mm-hmm. we talk, they didn't talk about, it, they were passed by, uh, yes. by police officers.
0: Right, so you could have called the police over and been like, arrest this man. Yeah. I'm Hol- Sherlock Holmes.
1: Holmes was like, I don't I don't take opportunities by chance. I create them.
2: Which also doesn't sound...
1: Yeah, I don't think that was very Sherlock Holmes. You've read a bit of Sherlock Holmes, right? I mean,
0: Sherlock Holmes, I I feel like that was out of character. Because he does not view... He wants an intellectual challenge, but he doesn't view detective versus criminal as a sort of like oh i need to be gentlemanly towards the criminals that is Correct. not part of his attitude
1: yeah he just tries to solve the um, crime and hopes for a good challenge along the way and
0: once he figures it out he's often like we got to go quick like before they get away yeah. like we got to you know seize whatever physical
2: opportunities are at hand as well
1: like get, get all the police officers get all the the footmen out we'll get take every advantage possible
2: right yeah i don't know if now is a good time to talk about you know cuz i was as i mentioned Earlier in the the podcast today, there's a lot of things I wanted to criticize about the portrayal of Holmes, mm-hmm. but maybe we should get through it first. Sure, to get into that, not too much more left in the story, right? Yeah, I, I mean maybe we can get to the end. Well, uh, it's just, yeah, I have I have quite a few notes. Mostly, on... it's
1: uh, Sherlock Holmes unraveling the mystery of the hidden passage.
2: He's a little bit annoyed with Monsieur Devon for
0: good reason. Where Devon's like, <laughs> uh, he explains me everything that's, that that happened, and the first thing Sherlock Holmes is like well, if you hadn't told everybody that I was coming, then your things would not have been stolen yesterday.
1: Then I would have been here before it happened.
0: Right. (laughs) Devon's like, well, when would they have been stolen? And he's like, I don't know, tomorrow, like in a few days? It just, obviously, they stole it because (laughs) they knew I was coming today. Yeah. Like, and so that's annoying. And he's like, also, by the way, you also totally gave Arsene Lupin the information he needed because you were telling everybody about it. (laughs) And at the end of this, he's like, well, I'm I'm off um, because...
1: Yeah, pretty much what happens in the rest of the story is the, you get to walk through the mystery and how it's solved and how clever everybody is.
0: Oh, yeah. And, and right. Sherlock Holmes does that. He's like, OK, so you gave Arsene Lupin the, the information he needed. And an hour later, he went and stole the stuff. Right. So I'm only giving myself an hour to do this because I clearly don't need more time than Lupin does. Right. <laughs> and so like he figures it out within an hour and he explains the trick and like they get led around. And the secret passage leads to a nearby old church. Yeah. And Lupin has sent a car to pick them up at the church. Mm -hmm. Like, sent a chauffeur there to wait for them.
1: So they don't have to walk back.
0: And eventually, (laughs) like they they consider it, and they're like, eh, sure. They take the car. Yeah. And in the car is a message to him, right? Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's a letter and a watch. Is that right? Yes. Is there a letter? What does it say? It is just a package addressed Sherlock Holmes from Arsene Lupin. And inside is... His watch. Sherlock Holmes' watch. Which Arsene Lupin pickpocketed
2: when they met earlier. and When they shook hands, yeah. Which,
0: I guess. And like the, the, I mean, no, no, I I know that's what happened. It's like, I guess we can say he's such a good pickpocket, he can take Sherlock Holmes' watch. I guess Sherlock Holmes is not immune to pickpocketry, but
1: it feels a little bit... But like, Sherlock Holmes is a good pickpocket himself. Yeah. I know.
2: This is the start of my criticism, (laughs) which is that Sherlock Holmes feels a little indifferent in this, a little naive and a little pissy. Like, because there's a, when he finds out that his watch has been taken, um, what is his name? Devan? Mm -hmm. Like, makes a clear point of like noting how upset Holmes is about it. And well, it's like
0: he, he laughs about it. He says, that's really funny. Yeah. And the Englishman never moved a muscle. Yes. On the way to Dieppe, he never spoke a word, but fixed his gaze on the flying landscape. His silence was terrible, unfathomable, more violent than the wildest rage. That's pretty intense for Sherlock Holmes. It's pretty
2: intense. Like, Holmes is given a lot of crotchety moments. He's given this wild rage at having his watch stolen. Like, that's happened to him before. He's had things stolen. He's recovered them. He's focused on problems. Like, the first
1: story is the Lady in Red, right, where he gets... Somebody gets a one-over on him, and he doesn't freak out like this. Right. Well, of
2: course, different characters can get a one-over on him with different results. But yes, he he does freak out quite a bit on on Lupin. And it's just... His characterization in this is just... I don't know. It's like... He's supposed to be very self-confident, and in this he feels very insecure. That's it, yeah.
0: Insecure, that's... Yeah, I think you've hit on it. And, you know, at the end of that sequence...
1: Nothing um,
2: phases Sherlock Holmes, but everything faces him in this. Well, like story. Sherlock
1: Holmes phases Sherlock Holmes. He gets into like melancholy as well. Right. You know. Yeah.
2: In his own private space, not in front of anybody else. He plays his violin, you know, he's melancholy.
1: Anyway,
0: a lot of passion
2: for the character, so <laughs> excuse me. He also <laughs>
0: gets philosophically upset at like Moriarty, where he's like, He's doing bad crimes and like I haven't been able to pin him down. Mm-hmm. But like yes. I don't think he gets this personally offended by Moriarty killing him. much less by, like,
2: someone taking his watch. Lupin's, like, not a personal mental opponent to him. He's, like, he's a clever thief. But Sherlock Holmes is way more self-confident than that. He just wouldn't be so, like, irate about something so petty to me.
0: At the end, Sherlock gives a little speech. And he says, yes, he's a clever man, but someday I shall have the pleasure of placing on his shoulder the hand I now offer to you, Monsieur Devon. And I believe that Arsene Lupin and Sherlock Holmes will meet again someday. Yes, the world is too small. We will meet. We must meet. And then. A speech like that wouldn't be out of place, but the
2: barely contained, unfathomable rage. (laughs) And the fact that the speech is like, I'm going to catch him, too, like on top of that. Like, it's fine. You know, he can be like, (laughs) I'm going to catch him. But it's like on top of everything else, it feels like he's not treating him as an opponent so much as like something he needs to, like, kill and destroy. Like, he feels like a predator, (laughs) like, an irate predator, you know? Like, whereas Sherlock Holmes, the character to me would, you know, Sartha Arthur Conan Doyle's character would be calm and would be, like, intrigued by someone he felt was a mental equal.
0: Yeah. I I know what you mean. The nuance is a little bit different. And we're reading this in translation, so, like, I can't speak to all the nuance. But uh, I actually think the speech itself is okay in tone. He's not going to be like, I am the new Zenigata. I will pursue this man to the ends of the earth. He's just like... We're gonna run into each other again. <laughs> yeah. Just but... just by the nature
2: of our occupations. Yeah, this really could have been a little better if you'd be like, if we run into each other, we're gonna run into each other again, and I'm sure it's gonna be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Rather than yeah. like, and I'm gonna put the hand of justice on him. Like I didn't I don't know. I, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I don't think Maybe he, he just really,
0: really likes that watch. <laughs> <laughs> but he got it back. That's true.
2: I'm not sure Holmes ever talked much about justice in particular. He yeah, just exactly, kinda wants to yeah. win, right? <laughs>
1: Well, yeah. not even
2: that. He wants to solve the mystery. Yeah. That's and always been his character. Like he's not his the whole point of him is that he's not really into society's morals. But he does, That's why he can be kind of a jackass, <laughs> you know.
1: But he does just follow the the letter of the morals just when he has to, because he recognizes it. When
2: it's interesting. Yeah. But and it's not
1: like I, I must uphold these morals. No.
2: <laughs> yeah. No. He does what he thinks is most interesting as a puzzle. And this it just felt like very like it was all personal.
1: Well, yeah. no, the best
0: Sherlock Holmes moment in this story is about that, where he comes and it's like, Oh, Sherlock like R.C. Lupin already came, he stole the stuff, he left and he brought the stuff back. And so at that <laughs> point at that point he's like, Well, I'm back, I'm going back home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and until, no interest. until his of host course. is like, wait, there's lots of mysteries that we still don't understand the answers to, and Sherlock Holmes is like, oh, okay, I'll stick around for a bit. No wait, no yeah. one has
1: any idea how how he did it or how it happened or how he got into the towers. Like, mm, okay, go on. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> now you have no. my
2: interest. To me, though, it should have felt like he would have thought of that at first as well. Like just because something like the stuff yeah, has been returned, it doesn't mean Sherlock Holmes' mind wouldn't jump to the mystery solved because the stuff is returned. Yeah, the I fact see that like, a third party had to remind him. Okay, I'm going to stop now. I think I've covered all my criticisms. But but you're right, because there's multiple Sherlock Holmes stories where where Holmes is like,
0: I know who did it. I just need to figure out all the details about how they did it before (laughs) I can be satisfied. That's
2: most Sherlock Holmes stories. Like... He will usually, when he goes back to his client, be like, well, I knew, like, three weeks ago, but I just wanted to wait to tell you all of this. <laughs> but this I, had stuff. To
1: wait, <laughs> I had to wait to trap him to get this last piece of evidence. Exactly, for yeah. entire
2: thing.
0: <laughs> Anything else we want to talk about with the story as a whole?
1: I think I enjoyed this one a little bit more than the other Lupin stories in this collection. Hmm. This one had the most dynamic moments, most um, emotion coming from Lupin themselves, because most of the time, Lupin just wins. Hmm. And the... They're frankly kind of boring. <laughs> but this one, it has some ups, some downs, some challenges. Lupin is worried for a second, and you really do feel worried for him. And I find that interesting.
2: Yeah, there's there's good emotion coming off of Lupin. Um, I wish the same attention had been given to Holmes, you know, which is kind of where my brain's at. But Lupin himself seemed kind of vulnerable, and I thought that was kind of sweet.
0: Well, Dom, you mentioned that this story was more interesting and it's probably partially because of the presence of Holmes, right? And I think... You don't think so? You think it's the Lupin? Well, you know, that's like what causes the tension is having an opponent, right? Yeah,
1: mostly these other stories don't have tension because mm-hmm. there's nothing to threaten Lupin. Right. Like, Luton, there's a couple of these where Lupin gets gets the wool pulled over their eyes or, like, they get tricked but like they're just like, oh, I'm out some some money. Mm-hmm. But Lupin has a indeterminate amount of money already so... I don't. There doesn't seem any reason to be concerned about that.
0: I think my favorite part of the story is just the sheer. I don't know what to call it. Chutzpah.
2: <laughs>
0: I don't know. Ballsiness is that? Is not it's really same, same thing. It's yeah. like like of Maurice Leblanc in taking a character. <laughs> like from an author who is still around and writing right. and putting them up sure, against their yeah. own original character and being like, and my character comes out on top.
1: Can we segue this into why this is a fan fiction, what the results were afterwards? Uh, I
0: suppose what the results were.
1: Well, because in uh, this is a Gutenberg version we're reading, after the last line it says, The further startling and thrilling adventures of Arsene Lupin will be found in the book entitled Arsene Lupin versus Herlock Holmes. Yes, mm.
0: because <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> the cease and
2: desist letters came immediately. Yeah, resembling
1: <laughs> but legally distinct from Sherlock Holmes.
2: Oh my God! But the fact that anybody, <laughs> like in this day and age, that would be an instant lawsuit if someone was like Herlock Holmes is my character. Well, no, but... because then it then it becomes parody, right? You can release Board of the Rings yeah. with all of like
0: the. <laughs> oh, you no, know. that's fair. Yes. Under parody law. But I... Oh God, and, and I think I think that's a key division in my understanding of fan fiction. Where like that actually is if, a good you, if you have him versus, oh, what is it, Herlock Sholmes, mm-hmm. it's not fan fiction in my mind. Because you read Her- Herlock Sholmes and you're like, that character is supposed to be Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. But you're not saying that character is literally Sherlock Holmes in this story. No, it's and, a parody oh, So character. only this story. This is the only R.C. Lupin story where it's just Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> like, that's the guy who's in the story. Right. Like, you're supposed to understand that all the things that happened to Sherlock Holmes happened to this guy.
1: I don't know the story. This is the story of my OC versus Sherlock Holmes. Please write, rate, and reply. I know.
0: (laughs) It's it's like if I wrote a urban fantasy novel, Mm -hmm. and I had Harry Potter show up, and his name's Harry Potter, and it's just like Harry Potter ten years after, and it's like an horror, and like, my character's cooler than Harry Potter. (laughs) and, And like, I just did that, and I published the story. Like, that's amazing. You're a dark wizard that still casts I know. The same magic. You know, actually... <laughs> oh, absolutely, you're a dark wizard anti-hero with a heart of gold. Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah. Now that you're phrasing it that way, like, this... Like, at first, I was sort of like, is this really fan fiction? I mean, especially, I think, because of, like the era it's coming from before the idea of fan fiction came into the cultural consciousness before we established what is fan fiction to us as a community Mm -hmm. this is the most fanficy thing ever i know your character is better than sherlock holmes that's oh my god and that's why you brought in sherlock holmes no you have such a good point there this like but i don't know how to describe that you know like (laughs)
0: It's just amazing that he like did that in 1906. Of course,
1: <laughs> like, it totally is. They immediately uh, got litigated. <laughs> yeah, it, it,
0: it's mm-hmm. it's just great. I I don't think it's a great story. It's especially not a great Sherlock Holmes story. No. But the story of this story existing is one that I love.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm glad we read this because it. It makes me recall, like, think that people maybe haven't changed that much in the last.
1: <laughs> so, join us on our further years.
2: exploration of ancient fanfiction. <laughs> God, can we dredge up any more other ones like this? Like a, a famous author writing a character and saying it's better than this other famous author's character. If
0: you know of any examples, I I want to hear them.
2: <laughs> well, see, that's the thing; it shocked me that this existed. So, yeah, maybe our listeners have some suggestions, because I'd be very interested. Right in. We will get before the 20th century,
0: though, someday. We'll get back into the 1800s.
1: (gasps) I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah.
2: I'm I'm not, but I'll I'll be with you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking forward to it.
0: Next time, we are going to be reading a short and award-winning Star Wars story featuring Han Solo and also some other guy for <laughs> Han Solo to hang out with who is less hairy than I want that person to be.
1: It's, it's an O.C. hanging around with the main character, just like this
2: story.
0: <laughs> Similar to this story.
2: <laughs> no, no, he's not unhairy, hairy but...
0: Uh, anyway, the story is called Rancor Delivery, and it was written by Z... Let me pull this up.
1: Rancor? 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 What's the emphasis on that syllable? Rancor, right? It's a
2: noun, so... Turbine. It's rancor. I mean, they've said it. It's yeah, yeah, they've said it, yeah.
0: The story is called Rancor Delivery, and it was written by one ZP Florian. You can find the link there at bit.ly slash rfr And if you don't know how to spell rancor you are no true Star Wars fan. I'm going to gatekeep you right here.
2: It's also like a real-life word, too. Oh, like, it, it, like you're right. It's spelled the same way. Rage and anger. Yeah.
0: R-A-N-C-O-R. Or spite, yeah. Rancor. R-A-N-C-O-R. Rancor. <laughs> Do I go to the next round? Of the spelling bee? That's the joke I'm making?
2: We missed that. <laughs> I <would rather laughs> Yes, Amato, you can advance to uh, the second round of a second grade spelling bee. <laughs> Excellent. And we will also advance to Ranker
0: Delivery next time. As for this, this was episode 42 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective. Sherlock Holmes Arrives Too Late by Maurice LeBlanc. You can find a copy of it on Project Gutenberg, actually. It is public domain. And we have a link to that compilation at bit.ly slash rfr H-O-L-M-E-S. Holmes. Holmes. The intro song is the weekly fare off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. We also are on Twitter at RetroFanfic on Facebook at RetroFanfic, and I don't know, maybe we're other places that I've forgotten about and never update. I, I wouldn't know.
1: Check us on LinkedIn. No. LinkedIn.
0: <laughs> I, I'm telling you, this is going on my resume, though.
2: <laughs>
0: if you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, contact us on any of those places or the comment or review thing on the podcast service you listen to. You can also email us at retrofanficretrospective at gmail com and let us know about what ancient OCs were better than the <laughs> fan characters that they appeared with.
2: I'm Amato. I'm Literary Inspector Detective Tori. I'm Dom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're just three Earth life forms trying to be gentlemanly to each other. Until next time, take care.
1: He pulled off his theft. <laughs> no, he, he didn't steal anything. He fought for me. No, man, he stole something of no small value. Your heart. Recently. Castle Cagliostro. Oh, Castle of mm. Cagliostro.
2: Okay, I thought that was text from one of these stories.
1: No, 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 no. no this is the grandson. You know, it
2: really, Lupin the Third is better than the original Lupin. Is it blasphemy for me to say that? No, it's it it's clear. No. We never hear about that Lupin so. in the Second, though.
1: Well, actually, the, the yeah, Lupin I manga really sucks. I would like
2: to know about the, oh, the original I like, one.
0: I did read Wait. some of that, and it was not okay. good.
1: It was terrible. <laughs> But the, they have some new and anime stuff that's pretty good, actually. Mm.
0: The um, Fujiko series is supposed to be good.
1: I heard that's supposed to be good, yeah. Yeah. yeah.